Welcome back to another edition of the Cats Illustrated Podcast. I am your host and publisher, Justin Rowland, and I am joined by formerly a special contributor, and now I think you're actually a staff writer now, Travis. Congratulations, and, and thank you for coming on the podcast, bud. How are you? Thanks uh, for the call up to the big leagues to join you, Jeff, and David on the site, uh, and uh, Dave Lackford. Uh, it's been a hell of a run. I've really enjoyed every second of it. Thanks for bringing me on, and... Uh, this is the first time we've done a podcast in a while. Looking, looking forward to it. You stay on the grind. You stay on the grind, man. One thing that you've said about yourself is you can talk to anybody, and that is an invaluable trait that I have learned about you. And honestly, what I have learned about you in a number of cases is you'll say some stuff that really seems to be like off the wall. And we'll get to some of that later on today. I'm just like, dude, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. I don't think that that's true. And, you know, time usually bears out what you were saying, so... Uh, maybe I should just give you uh, give you more deference in the future. Um, I will actually start with that right now. A lot of people liked a post I made on the on the board, the House of Blue, uh, where I said that somebody had told me earlier this year that either Wandale Robinson or somebody close to Wandale Robinson somehow word had gotten out that he might be interested in transferring to Kentucky. And you had floated this to me earlier in the season. What do you remember about what you had heard? It was about the same time that. Uh... Cause I remember I called you one time to talk about Jordan Watkins. Uh, I heard that he's going to decommit that day. And then I said, I'd heard some rumblings uh, from a couple of different sources that Wondell Robinson was talking about potentially transferring from Nebraska. And he's looking at possibly going to Purdue or possibly going to Kentucky with Kentucky probably being in the lead. Right. And I thought I was like, use the time. I was like, there's no way he, he just lit up. Uh, he had like a hundred something all purpose yards. The, week before then in a big win. I forget who they were playing, but uh, it was like early um, first half of the season. And I was like, there's no way. And then uh, you'd heard some stuff recently about that, possibly uh, some rumblings about that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it shocked me because of the timing, because that was a bright spot in Wandale season. Speaking of Wandale, I don't want to run him down. I, I also said on the board, a lot of people constantly trash him and he, he kind of opened the door to that the way he handled his recruitment. But I, I pointed out, when I was 17 years old, I did far dumber things than he did in, in handling that. It just didn't affect anybody's favorite team. So I'm not going to tell people what, what to say and what not to say on the board so long as they're not breaking any laws. The ethics of it, are, are that's on them. But it, I do kind of cringe a little bit when you, know, you, 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 you see people actually saying they wish ill on somebody. And it's worked out for Kentucky. Maybe they'd be better off with him than without him, but it worked out, and I just wish him well. Yeah, like you said, he's he was just a kid. He made a uh, bad judgment on how he handled the situation, and like you said also, um, there's, there's nothing that says that I wouldn't have handled it the same exact way whenever I was his age, but I think that if Kentucky fans would definitely open him, uh, would welcome him back with open arms if he did decide to ever transfer back. He's that talented. I'm with you. I'm with you. However, Lynn Bowden is the obvious choice for the Paul Hornig Award. And that's not a knock on Wandale. He's a very young player. He's going to be a very good player. I think he probably anticipated this year going differently at Nebraska. I understand why he picked Nebraska. I don't understand why he handled it the way that he did. But, I mean, this is another aside. But a lot of people have pointed out that it was ridiculous for Nebraska to be in the preseason top 25. And I made that same point before the season. Um, 
But I don't want to hammer people. I mean, we hammer the media plenty at Cats Illustrated. We don't protect our own. Um, but Nebraska was 4-2 and two to end the season last year. They had like a five-point loss at Ohio State. They had a three-point loss at Iowa. They had a prolific quarterback. I mean, it se- and with what Scott Frost did at Central Florida, it seemed like they were headed in the right direction. So I understand the height. Top 25 was too much. Um, but Lynn Bowden, clearly the choice for the Paul Hornig Award. Where would you put Lynn Bowden in the pantheon of Kentucky greats, or at least those that you remember, Travis? Well, first of all, I, looking back in hindsight, I look so stupid for not having him in my top three players of the decade. I think he's definitely in the top three, and I think you can make an argument of one through three. I would replace Avery Williamson with him, and I think he's up there on Mount Rushmore of the Kentucky. Like When you think of Kentucky football, you're going to think of Lynn Bowden, just all the things he does, the – Complete 180 he did uh, since he's been on campus when it comes to uh, maturity. And people fell in love with like him showing off his kid all the time. And there, I mean, people remember the first game of his freshman year. He didn't see, he didn't, I don't think he got a touch. He may have gotten a kickoff return, but he went straight to Twitter and was tweeting out about, like, pretty much mad about not getting any touches. And like, like I said a minute ago, it's just the maturity level is done complete 180. And, I think he has solidified himself in probably top 10 all-time greats at Kentucky. It's hard to say. I mean, I I think this has been a pretty significant decade for Kentucky football. We saw some of the worst of the worst, the tail end of the Joker Phillips era. We saw some pretty ugly football early in the Mark Stoops era. Then they kind of floundered, and then they broke through and had the best season in 40 years. And they've been really, really blessed to have three of, I mean, four of the best players in program history in Josh Allen. In my mind, Josh Allen, um, Randall Cobb, Benny Snell, and Lynn Bowden. I know you included Avery Williamson. We could also include Danny Trevathan. Um, I made the point that Trevathan played a position that didn't allow him to maybe make as many game-changing, game-breaking plays as somebody like Allen off the edge or one of the skill players. I, I would just I would stop at saying Bowden is in the same category as Cobb. Um, just because they're basically the same guy. They're different players, but the point is, when they needed to get a yard, they got a yard. When they needed to get a touchdown, they got a touchdown. They weren't, um, they weren't like Jerry, Judy, or like the, the most freakishly athletic player in the game. They were really good athletes, extremely good feel for the game, very competitive. Cobb had better production overall for his career uh, but what Bowden did this year, rescuing Kentucky season from the brink of disaster and bringing them potentially to a really nice bowl game um, and setting up a, a lot of optimism for next year, even if he's gone, was uh, it was an all-time individual performance for sure. Um, wh- where would you stack him up against Randall Cobb? I think, like you said, they're I think they're virtually comparable, but they one's better at certain things than the other. But I think that they impacted the game in in terms of an all-purpose player in an equal amount. I think that they're right there neck and neck. Um, I think right now people want to put Cobb ahead of him just because of the nostalgia of watching Cobb. He's the first player to really be the all-purpose guy at Kentucky. I think you're going to look back about five, ten years from now and put them both in the same category. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't th- honestly, Cobb had a 1,000-yard season. He scored way more touchdowns for his career than Bowden overall. Bowden was the more prolific punt returner. He probably had more iconic moments with the Missouri game, the Penn State game, um, running all over Louisville, the SEC rushing record for a quarterback in a single game. Um, 
But Cobb, you know, did take a pretty average Kentucky team and won road games at Georgia and at Auburn. It's, it's an interesting debate. They've, they've been blessed to have some really nice players this decade. Um, how do they replace them next year? I mean, are they just starting from scratch offensively? They're going to do something totally different? Maybe, maybe, well, I think, yeah. I think uh, something that stuck out to me that Brad White said before the season was, he was asked how you replace Josh Allen. He he likened it to when he was with the Colts and Dwight Freeney was either hurt or I forget what happened with Dwight, but he wasn't playing that year. Mm-hmm. And he said that it, they replaced him by committee by um, drawing up different blitz schemes and they had more sacks uh, without the year without him than they did the previous year with him when he was setting records. And they did that pretty much this year with Josh Allen. They have compar- they had comparable sack numbers without Josh Allen's all-time uh Sack numbers, and I think they're going to do the same with just uh, spreading the ball around to all-purpose players uh, on offense next year. I, I'm interested to see who, the quarterback situation. That's going to be a big part of it for me. But I think UK's running back situation is about as good as this looked uh, for the foreseeable future in probably program history. Uh, you got a stable, really capable backs back there, and then you got uh, you got some guys. I'm really big on Ernest Sanders. I think he. I don't know about next year, but I think uh, at some point in his career, he's going to have a Lynn Bowden-type playmaking ability in the slot. Um, yeah, I think uh, they definitely... I, I'm interested in Cavosier Smoke. You know, we, we've heard different things about him this year. When he's played, he's been fantastic. And he's had some migraine issues. Uh, I know he, he probably ticked the coaches off with the substitution thing in the last game, but... It sure seems like his, his his he's been more of a spot duty guy. He hasn't really sustained it for whatever reason. He's got he's got to stack together more of those performances. I know you're really high on Smoke, and I think I saw you say at one point you thought Smoke was the best back. I think when Smoke is playing, he's probably the best back. I, what I like about Chris Rodriguez is he just is a downhill runner who, like Snell, if he needed to carry it 30 times, you feel like he could. Now that he's gotten over the fumble problems, and you know, I didn't realize that he was—he had that Snell kind of confidence. He kind of bounces around there on the field. He—he's got a swagger to him. He's having fun out there. I thought he was a quieter guy, and he seemed like a quieter guy last year. Maybe he's just older and he's more comfortable in the program. But he's—I uh, I could see him being one of those high-energy guys that everybody else feeds off. Yeah, definitely. I'm a big fan of both of those guys. Uh, and I think AJ brings some stuff to the table as well. He does a lot of things that go unnoticed. Uh, everybody wants to nitpick about his games, but I think he he might be the best pass blocker out of all three. He's the he's probably the slightest of stature when it comes to bulk of all three. But uh, Smoke's got the home run ability. Like I said earlier in the season, I think he's got the highest ceiling in terms of possible NFL prospects of Kentucky running backs in recent history. Uh, and I think I hate to compare Chris Rodriguez to the best running back in school history and a legend at Kentucky and Benny Snell, but I think he's got a lot of Benny Snell traits, and I definitely think he's faster and has more top end speed than Benny. Yeah, yeah. Can, can he be that guy to get like you have to have one yard? Like Benny would get that one yard every you, time. You talking about Rose? You talking about no, Rose? No, uh, Chris Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he doesn't he doesn't move the pile quite like Benny did, at least at the end of Benny's career. Um, but he, uh, I think he honestly looks like he runs with a little bit more juice than Benny. You know, I, I didn't... Yeah. Benny was faster than I thought he was coming out of high school, and I think Chris Rodriguez looks faster than he did 
uh, earlier in the season. I mean, maybe that's just a product of running more confidently. Maybe the offensive line is blown open more holes and he's not hesitating as much, but he looks like he's gotten faster too. Um, and maybe that's to be expected. Um, AJ Rose, everybody likes to single out, like you said, the struggles, but everybody also loves the shiny new object. Like everybody wants to dream about what smoke and sea rod are going to be like in two or three years. And, A.J. Rose's yesterday's news, and he has had some down moments this year. But a lot of times I find myself criticizing Eddie Grant and the coaching staff for their substitution patterns at running back, but they really do have three backs that are pretty similar in, in terms of how good they are. They do different things well, but re really the variable seems to be that when the offensive line blocks well, they all look good, uh, with very few exceptions. So... Um, I think the running game is going to be very good next year. I don't think they'll they'll rush for as many yards as they did this year, just because it's not going to be essentially not not a Navy system, but like a Navy kind of production. Um, it, it's it's a very bright future with what comes back on the offensive line. What do you think about the bowl game? What do you think the most likely bowl destination is? And what do you what do you what would you I, I think I guess say your preference would be for Kentucky? Well, I think the most likely outcome and probably my preference was the two same bowls. I think I was looking at what all needed to happen for UK to get to the Gator Bowl. And I think most, if not all, of those things happen. But I saw on CBSSports.com they had UK playing uh, Michigan in the Gator Bowl. And I think that would be the absolute best matchup for Kentucky because Kentucky's already working on building strong pipelines in the Michigan area. So I think that would only strengthen it with a strong showing against them. Another Michigan? Yeah, Michigan. Yeah. And uh, another uh, matchup that I think would be fun, but it would probably be the fastest game in football history, would be uh, Smash, Smash Mouth versus Smash Mouth in UK versus Wisconsin. I think that would be a fun one, too. Yeah, those are tough matchups. Those, I mean, I'm not saying, I think Kentucky can run on anybody. I think Kentucky would run all over Alabama this year. That's just the way that they're wired. That's what they do. That's their bread and butter. They can run on anybody. I, and Kentucky has a really good defense. Those teams are not without flaws, but uh, I think Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin and Michigan would certainly be the two most prestigious possible bowl matchups, but those would they would be very difficult games. I'm not saying that Kentucky would lose them, but because they're one-dimensional and those teams are pretty stout year in and year out, uh, and it would be strength on strength in terms of what Kentucky does well, um, I mean, I could see those teams being favored by ugh, 10 points against Kentucky on a neutral field. I think that's what it would probably be in Vegas. Um, yeah. you know, it could be Iowa, um, which is again, a tough matchup, but the talent, uh, is probably not quite as high. If they go to the belt bowl and play a team like Pitt, that's still not a really easy matchup because I think Pitt has one of the 10 or so best rush defenses in college football, um, where I think Kentucky matches up really well against Pitt, which has been a frequent, uh, choice of bowl prognosticators is I, I think they could pretty much shut down their offense. Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting to say a lot of it's going to hinge on if Wisconsin gets blown out um, against Ohio State, do they drop below Alabama, and does that elevate Alabama into the New Year's Six conversation? That's going to that's gonna determine a lot. Uh, let me talk about the, the end of this recruiting cycle. I tweeted today, and you talked about this at the site a lot, what if Kentucky finishes with Tyler Barron, Octavius Oxendine, Josiah Hayes, R.J. Adams, Joel Williams, Mike Drennan, and Vito Tisdale? And we're not even talking about Joey Gatewood and Kelvin Joseph transfers and who and the other guys that have already committed. That's 
one, two, three, four, five, six four-star players and one former four-star player. How crazy would that be? That would, like, like me and you both talked about, it would be UK's best class of all time, probably by a, a wide margin, I would say. The, I guess on paper, in the Rivals era, is the 2014 class the highest rated for Kentucky? Uh, 2014 is the highest rate. I think they finished 18th. Yeah, I think, but I think numbers-wise, this this class wouldn't match up, but I think talent-wise, I, I thought that 2014 class was underwhelming as a whole, and I think that this class will be the class to take Kentucky to the next level. And then another guy that wasn't even mentioned was possible top 170 player in the country, Jimmy Callaway, who's a soft commit to Tennessee right now, is taking an official visit this weekend. If, like, they're getting guys in the program right now that, especially in the trenches, that I never thought I would see before. And these are the type of, like, Kentucky's defensive line class is honestly going to be on par with what Clemson has been getting regularly for the past couple of years. Maybe a half step behind, but right there with them. With Clemson? Yes. Man, you're bullish. <laughs> they, um, it's definitely the best defensive line class that they that they have recruited. I mean, it's at another level. It's at a, it's an it's at an Alabama, LSU, Clemson level this year. Absolutely. Um, that they were able to get Justin Rogers is a testament to to you. Got to offer kids early if you're Kentucky in those out of state places. And uh, almost all the guys that Steve Klinkscale has been in on and has had success with or has almost had success with, he was the first Power 5 coach to offer those guys. Uh, and they did the same thing with Samuel Anele, who had a really good season this year. We, we didn't really know much about it, but his coach Tunsil, uh, or his mentor, I guess, told me that he had seven sacks this year. It'd be a great defensive line class. I mean, upwards of five or six four-star defensive linemen is just absurd, and that's going to change the program even more. Um is there one thing that they haven't addressed in this recruiting class as well as you think they, they would like to maybe? I think they need possibly one more explosive playmaker on offense, whether that's uh, Callaway, Drennan, uh, Michael Drennan, or uh, somebody else. I think that could be addressed. And I know that they loaded up on linebackers last year, but you know with attrition and people coming in and out of the program uh, and better rate of recruits each year, you're going to get – more and more people transferring out that are probably not happy with their playing time. I think that they could – De'Aaron Jackson is the only linebacker in the class right now. I think that they could add one more one more linebacker either inside or outside. I'm, I'm with you. I think they could add um, – I mean, it's so tempting to say they need somebody to replace Bowden, but you're not re – I mean, you're recruiting two years ahead. They're not recru recruiting to replace Bowden this year. That's skewed a little bit because he's leaving a year early – there's just not a replacement for Bowden. I think Drennan uh, is, is not at the level of Bowden, but he is a really good prospect. I think Ernest Sanders is really explosive. Um, I think they got a good receiver class, but it's just going to be tough to pull in elite receivers as long as the offense is so run heavy. Um, and it, it'll be interesting to see if they make a, a surprise move with linebackers moving forward. Although I don't think Trey Wilkins' departure uh, really impacts that. I've heard that that was expected. Um Let's shift over to basketball before we before we wrap up. Thoughts on the Kentucky-Michigan game in London coming up next year and uh, the home-and-home home between those two teams. I think it's going to be great, uh, especially the home-and-home. Home. The home-and-home is probably the, my favorite part of the whole thing because everybody's griping about the home schedule and not playing a, a Power 5 team uh, at a traditional home or away game. 
and I think that that's going to be a fantastic matchup because uh, Juwan Howard already has them. I know they lost to Louisville, but he already has them as a top five team this year, and they're recruiting at a high level. Uh, just added Isaiah Todd, top ten player for next year, and I think it's going to be a fantastic series moving forward. I'm with you. It's always good to see two prestigious programs uh, teeing off against each other or tipping off in this case. Uh, Michigan, uh, certainly under Bayline, uh, looking looking great in recent years. They looked fantastic to start this season, less so against Louisville. I don't want to call it fool's gold because you don't want to read too much into uh, any one game or two games this early in the season. You can nitpick any team and come up with a conclusion this year. Uh, but while we're talking about college basketball, who are who are – maybe the two or three best teams that you've seen to this point in the season? Oh, you can nitpick it. I don't think there's great teams this year. I think there's a bunch of pretty good teams. I don't think there's one really great team that strikes fear in anybody. But I was in, I was in the stands the other day for Michigan-Louisville. I've been to two uh, Louisville games this year. Actually, three, because uh, my wife's a Louisville fan, and I go with her a few times. But she, uh, or I, I'd say that they're probably the best team right now in the country. Duke's playing at a high level. I think Kentucky, if they can – Kentucky's always a work in progress. They're never – the last few years they haven't been world beaters in November, December. Uh, you won't really see their true form until uh, January, February, March. But I think that they're going to be right there at the end of the season. And a lot of that's uh, due to the emergence of Nick Richards, uh, junior Nick Richards. And I think, like I was saying on Sources Say the other day, out of maybe three recruits or – possible transfers that UK could have got. I, I would take Nick Richards this year over anybody. Yeah, it, it, he's been fantastic, and I think the improvement is real. I don't think he's ever played seven games consistently as good as he has this year, and I don't care about the competition. It's just better. And I, I did this analytic study where, where it shows that most of his improvement statistically has just increased in proportion to the minutes played. But minutes played and the ability to stay on the court and not foul is a skill. And he's playing at a high enough level that Calipari has not been pulling him off, yanking him off the court. Um, he's clearly a factor in the pick-and-roll game on offense. Uh, he's more confident shooting the jump shot than ever. Uh, he, he's just as effective on offensive rebound putbacks. And I think he's become an elite defender away from the basket, moving his feet. Um, I wouldn't go as far as you and say he's going to be a lottery pick. But uh, I think he could be playing himself into a nice payday. And uh, he, he's, he's another success story in terms of development, at least so far. I wouldn't. I said the other day on Twitter, I said that uh, if he showed consistent shot block timing, which is not something you just develop, either you have it or you don't. It's one of those intangibles that you don't really develop um, over time as well as others. But if he had that, I think he would be – because he's got an NBA body. He's got – he's – money at 15 feet and he's shown the ability to be able to switch somewhat uh, one through five he's not Willie Collie Stein in that regard but he's, he's made great strides on defense but I think he I've been an advocate this whole season that if he keeps playing like this against SEC opponents or quality opponents he played good against Michigan State just in limited minutes coming off injury that uh, he could play himself in a first round pick and like I said the shot block timing is he would have to be really elite at one thing for some for a team to uh, spend a lottery pick on him and i i just don't see him going that high up yet based on the comments from the people at our site and i don't know how representative that is of the fan base i think sometimes we tend to attack to attract the uh the sunshine pumpers and the doomsday folks um 
I probably err a little bit more on the doomsday side, just kind of a, I'll believe it when I see it personality. Um, some people are are hesitant to buy in that the Richards transformation is real and lasting, but yeah, I mean, I, j I just think the confidence is different this year. He, and you know what? At no other program in the country would we think it's weird that a five-star junior is having a breakout season. Like, our expectations are so out of whack because of a handful, really a handful, maybe more than a handful of freshmen in the Calipari era that just didn't play like freshmen. And, you know, if you go back 15, 20, 25 years in college basketball, it was not rare for some of the five stars out there to just struggle a little bit until their junior season. What looks different to me for Richards this year is he looks like one of the older players on the court, and that's never been the case before. Yeah, I think if you would have told me that before the season that Nick Richards was game in and game out, Kentucky's best all-around player, I would have, like, thought the season was off the rails. But UK's the top 10 team, and he's playing like one of the best big men in the country. I think the rest of the season hinges on two players' development, and those guys are Keon Brooks and Khalil Whitney. I, I asked Coach Cal the other day during a press conference, I asked him if, um, like, what he's emphasizing to those two guys that help them take the next step. He said that he wants Khalil at about 25 minutes a game, and he wants Keon at 21 minutes a game, and he's just emphasizing for both those guys to play defense and rebound, not worry about scoring, that the scoring will come just from their energy levels. And he thinks that he said, I know what kind of player both those guys are, and it's just getting them to reach their potential. Yeah, Brooks, um, I can envision what like a best case for Brooks looks like this season. Everything starts to click. Everything that he's done so far, he does at a higher level. I think for Whitney, and I've said this before, he looks like the one player on the team. I'm not saying everybody on the team has played well. He looks like the one player who is, there's the biggest disconnect between the player he wants to be and the player Calipari is convinced he needs to be. You know, before the season, Cal was saying that Whitney needs to be a defender and a rebounder. He really hasn't rebounded much. He's taken a lot of ill-advised shots out of the flow of the offense. Uh, and I think his defense has been pretty well. Um, has been pretty good most of the time, but... I, Sometimes with these guys, Cal Perry has to break them down, let them make their mistakes, and then build them back up later in the year. I think Whitney has has a pretty has a pretty tough learning curve ahead. Not to say he's not going to put it together, but I th I can envision Brooks doing it a little bit easier. Yeah, I think Brooks has a lot more fluidity to his game. I think that Khalil in high school was just such a superb athlete and was just able to dominate that he didn't even need to develop um, a really tight handle because outside of a hip shimmy one dribble step back mid-range jumper he doesn't have any dribble moves other than straight line to the basket and he doesn't have very much wiggle getting into the rim like a guy like a wing like even homie had homie could get into the lane Khalil gets stifled too easily and i think that the key for him at the next level is going to be a three and d guy just be able to hit corner to uh the hash threes and defend at a high level i think that's going to be where he makes his payday I'm with you, man. Um, we've gone for about 27 minutes, uh, trying to wrap this up here in a minute. Uh, I guess the last thing I'll touch on, we've talked about some of the best-looking teams in college basketball. The best-looking teams that I've seen, uh, Louisville, I love the way they get up in you and defend. Um, if they're the best team, it is a down year for college basketball, but they are a good team. I think from what I've seen from them you know, this year, it looks like a, a quality two-seed 
uh, most other years. And Chris Mack really has a has a really good team on his hands. That's going to be a very difficult game. Kentucky, somebody said it on our site this week, Kentucky's going to have to play its A game to, to beat Louisville. And the same week before that, they've got Ohio State. And I saw a stat uh, earlier this week that indicated Ohio State has defeated two top 10 teams in the non-conference by 25 or more points. And the only other teams, I think there have, there have been two, the only other teams that have done that have gone on to win the national championship. Now, it's a stupid stat. That doesn't mean they're going to win the title. But they do a lot of things. I mean, they're a dangerous team. Every time I'm turning them on, they're knocking down shots to kind of quell runs. They're athletic. They play with an edge. You go into the Dean Dome, and you beat North Carolina by 25 points. And this is not a vintage UNC team. They got Cole Anthony. The cot went out. It's the worst offensive team I've ever seen for Roy Williams. But if you beat them by 25 points, Ohio State's going to be a force when Kentucky plays them, and they're going to be dangerous in the tournament. Another thing that people forget about Ohio State is uh, during the private scrimmage uh, or private exhibition or whatever it is that you switch out for like a traditional exhibition game against the NAIA type team, Ohio State beat Louisville pretty handily before the season. And I'm like you, I like Ohio State a lot. And whenever I say the college basketball is down, I think that that stems from the recruiting class. A lot of people refer to the the, uh, 2019 recruiting class as one of the worst recruiting classes since uh, the Rivals database opened. And the blue chip guys, the Cole Anthony's, the – James Wiseman's, the Anthony Edwards guys, they're all, all the teams that they're playing for seem like non-contenders at this point. All right, Travis Graff, not a special contributor. He is a staff writer at Cats Illustrated. You're going to the Louisville game tonight. Uh, This is going to be posted after that, and we've got Kentucky this weekend. You're going to be there in Rupp. Thank you for all of your excellent work, and you're getting better and better by the day, bud. Thanks a lot. Yes, sir. Thank you, Justin. This is Travis Graff. I'm Justin Rowland. Thank you again for listening. We hope you join the message board communities, the reading communities at Cats Illustrated, and uh, tell a friend about us. Have a great day.